Today's campaign podcast is sponsored by the Mini MBA series. The Mini MBA series was created by marketing professor Mark Ritson. It's aimed at every marketeer who wants to reach the top of their game. The Mini MBA will help you tackle big challenges, seize big opportunities, perhaps even find a big new job. The Mini MBA is designed to give people the tools, language and confidence they need to tackle big marketing and business challenges. It takes lessons from the world's top business schools and makes them more flexible, more accessible and more affordable. With the Mini MBA, you'll get a great return on your investment in terms of skills, expertise and confidence in your role. To find out more, search for Mark Ritson Mini MBA. Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. My name's Matt Bath and I'm the Features Editor of Campaign. I'm joined today by Media Editor Bo Jackson. Hello Bo. Hi Matt. Now a little later on we're going to be returning to our year ahead event from earlier in the month and listening in on an action-packed creativity panel featuring, pausing for deep breath here, Lindsay Atkin of Ford Creative, Chaka Chabani who's the outgoing CCO at Leo Burnett, Dan Dawson of Grand Visual and Charlene Chandra-Escaran and Dan Morris of The Awe. That was all ably moderated by creativity and culture editor Gurdjit Deacon. It was a good one, wasn't it, Bo? It was brilliant, yeah. It was, there was a lot of energy in that panel. A very interesting kind of metaphor about Spoonful of Sugar from That's Dan it. Morris yeah. we yeah. had, that we went down that rabbit hole with him. And then um, an impassioned speech as well from Lindsay that actually drew some applause, wasn't it? It was, it was marvellous. Yeah, it was good stuff. Now, that's all to come, uh, but we're going to have a very quick chat now about some of the big news stories and other content that have caught our eyes this week and are up on the, the Campaign Live site. But there's one big juicy story, which is the threat to Havas, that it might have its B Corp status revoked because of its controversial Shell contract. It's become a bit of a poison chalice, this Shell win, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Imogen, who wrote that story for us before we came in here. Imogen Watson. Imogen Watson, working inspiration editor at Campaign. And she was saying it's kind of how it's fallen, like a lot of attention came around the culpability of advertising agencies and their clients just before Havas got this client. It's like it, it was the biggest renewal that's come up since a lot of the attention's come about of it. So in a way, a bit of an easy target. But I think... The rub here is how responsible are they for the clients mm-hmm. they work with? and Because a lot of the B Corp status is to do with your internal processes and then, you know, how you give out to the community and stuff. So working with a fossil fuel giant, does it undermine the certification a bit? Does it undermine your other efforts? Crucially as well in the, the stories that, Havas Media Network, who actually, because it's a media account that they've won, isn't it? So it's yeah. Havas Media Network that has the Shell account, but actually it, B-Lab are looking into the certification of Havas's creative agencies that aren't, that don't have it really, but they're looking at them and if it's compromising it in any way. So like Havas London and Havas New York are being looked at for that. So it's going to be an interesting one to follow and see, see what happens, because I think it's a kind of grey area for B-Lab at the moment in that responsibility kind of contract. You know, how can you hold ad agencies up on the basis of the clients that they work with? Yeah. I mean, this has massive ramifications then, really, doesn't it? Because, you know, Havas do some great work. The Shell contract was up for grabs. They took it. You can't really blame them for that. It's obviously mm-hmm. been controversial from the get-go. But, I mean, within the industry, you just mentioned there, there's, there's plenty of other big clients that mm-hmm. are controversial and so on. 
especially around things like sustainability and, and, and eco-consciousness. Yeah, and I guess one of the things is that Imogen was also saying is that a lot of these agencies do seem to just be a bit quieter about it now. Mm. And is that a good thing or not? Like, is it is it good that they maybe they're not shouting about it as much and they're not promoting it as much? Or is it going under the radar a bit more and we're not really sure about where the responsibility lies this this is where they have to think creatively i suppose isn't mm-hmm. it? which is what they're paid to do now the latest ipa bellwether report finds that marketing budgets are at their strongest level in a decade with budgets rising for over a quarter of uk companies Bo, is this further proof if it's still needed that marketing is a key driver for business growth you would hope so i'm yeah. sure wouldn't you you would hope so i mean it's going to be an interesting year generally as it as came out of some of our our year ahead roundtables that we've been covering on the site, which is and in our media agencies one that Shauna and I put together, there was a resounding optimism from the agency reps that we spoke to for that. But one of the things that Jenny Bigham, founder of the Seven Stars, picked up is that they're optimistic, but from their internal tracker at the Seven Stars, people themselves, so consumers, are feeling about the same about their finances as they were this time last year. So she was saying that it's going to be the role of advertisers really to, you know, pick up on this confidence that we're having, pick up on the confidence in the market, but be mindful of the fact that whether rightly or wrongly, people feel that they're about the same with their money as they were last year. Mm. So a very interesting year, but you'd want everybody to be optimistic at the beginning of the year anyway, wouldn't you? Yeah, you've, you've got to have that. But also, as you say, the beginning of the year is key here, isn't it? Because I think there's always, I mean, we've just been talking about the year ahead, obviously. There is always this sense that, you know, things fall comfortably into year timeframes and this year is going to be different from last year. And mm-hmm. um, and there's always that. And, and I think as an industry, we kind of fall guilty of that quite a lot, actually. Yeah, thinking it's a, a fresh start, new year, new me, and which I, I do hope will happen yeah <laughs> I do hope we'll but obviously we'll for an awful uptick. lot of people out there it's, it's still tough times isn't it now our latest question of the week asks whether the industry should perhaps stop taking staff departures quite so personally as ever there's some great responses in there and I guess the big lesson is that people leaving your company is, is, is always inevitable really but it's how you manage it all fairly common sense but it's it's surprising shocking just how many of these working relationships end badly with bitter fallouts and so on yeah i mean that's what i've found quite unusual about moving over to covering this sector is how you do get a lot of boomerangs which is actually picked up in ali reed chief executive at phd uk as point in the article is that you get a lot of boomerangs in this industry so people who go to one agency and then come back to another bit so i was surprised to hear that quite often they do take it personally because I'm thinking, but it is quite a small world and you're going to get a lot of these people coming back to you eventually or, you know, or you're going to be working with them because everybody works with everybody as well. So you don't want to be like, oh, well, good riddance kind of. Yeah, and and you can flip it all on its head as well, can't you? If, If someone stays an agency for such a large chunk of their career, then you think, well, that's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mm-hmm. kind of want people to move around. And I guess if, if you're if you're a creative as well, you just need fresh impetus, don't you? You, you need stimulants and so on. Yeah. I'm not talking about um, that kind of stimulant. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you sort of, it's always great when you join your new team, isn't it? And, and if you do that once every, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years, that's nothing unusual. Yeah, there's, I mean, that's the 
the key really, isn't it? You want people to keep learning new things and bringing in fresh ideas. I think you want that to naturally happen, is that to keep things fresh all the time. But, I mean, one of the points as well that Chloe Davis picks up as founder of It Takes a Village Collective is kind of the perils of calling a, a company a family and treating it like a family. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's a nice concept to be like, oh yeah, no, we're all really we're really close and we really look out for each other. But then actually there's there's something can be sometimes a little bit toxic about that of then taking it too personally and being like, oh well somebody's betrayed us because they found a better opportunity. But that's that's just the way it goes, isn't it? It's yeah, just no. uh, life. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and as we all know, families can be fairly weird places at times as well. You've got a busy old week this week, haven't you? Tell me about tomorrow. Yes, yeah, so I'm co-hosting the Welcome to the Podcast Advertising Summit tomorrow with Adam, who's the editor at PodPod. And I'll be chairing a panel there about how brands integrate podcasts as part of their media mix. So it's going to be a really exciting um, event right at the end of the day. They're actually doing a a live podcast in the last session with, mm. with Spotify, but it's a, it's a special crossover with the Rest Is series. So they've got Gary Lineker from Rest Is Football, Marina Hyde from Rest Is Entertainment, Steph McGovern, who's money, and Alistair Campbell from... Obviously, rest is politics. So I think it's going to be really exciting. From what I've heard about it, the podcast-themed panels have always done really well before in prior events that we've run. So to build it out into this whole show, it's exciting. I haven't heard the rest is entertainment yet. The rest is money. I don't really listen to because I'd get too depressed. But the football one and the politics one's great. I should point out as well that when we say tomorrow, we mean today. Unless you're listening to this late, in which case it's yesterday. We should, 25th of January. Anyway. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, and it's at the Barbican. It's at yeah, the Barbican. Should be really good. Thanks, Bo. Now, before I hand you all over to Gurdjieff, a couple of quick messages about some event deadlines that are looming on the horizon. The Media Week 30 Under 30 Early Bird deadline is coming up fast. You have until the 31st of January, which is next Wednesday, I think, to take advantage of that. Visit MediaWeek30Under30.com and 30 is done as a number rather than as a word. So MediaWeek30Under30.com for details about all of that. We also have the Campaign Tech Awards. Early bird deadline is 8th of Feb. Visit CampaignTechAwards.com for more. And finally, the Audio Advertising Awards late deadline is also on the 8th of Feb. And you can get along to AudioAdvertisingAwards.com to enter that one. Are you a marketer facing a big challenge or a big opportunity? Maybe you're moving to a big new job. Well, you need the Mini MBA. I'm Mark Ritson, and I launched the Mini MBA to pack every little slice of valuable learning into a tiny amount of time. It will give you all the tools, all the language, and all the confidence you need to tackle any marketing challenge. That's why we like to say Mini MBA, major ROI. Right, Gurdjieff, take it away. Um, so we'll crack straight onto it because we've got so many great people here. Uh, we have Chaka um, at the end, uh, Chief Outgoing Chief Creative Officer at uh, Leo's. Uh, Dan Morris here. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Chaka? <laughs> I don't know. That's the most existing thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm just mortally embarrassed. <laughs> we have like 18 minutes. <laughs> Um, Dan Morris, uh, uh, Executive Creative Director at Dior, uh, Lindsay Atkin um, at Channel 4, uh, Full Creative, Executive Creative Director. 
Charlene, I also at the your Executive Creative Director, and Dan, thank you all for joining us. Um, sorry, Dan, uh, Chief Creative Officer at Grand Visual. I got all that right. Wow. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. um, why don't we start off with um, whether you're feeling optimistic for the, for the year ahead for creativity? Who would like to kick us off? Don't all. Okay, no. go on. <laughs> um, what was the question? No, I'm joking. Um, optimistic about the year ahead. Um, it would be really rum to sit here in January and go, no, I'm feeling really depressed about the year. Uh, no, I'm feeling massively massive. And we, we remember when we had our call, we're going to keep this really super tight because there's so many of us and we've got about seven minutes. Um, so yes, feeling massively optimistic. I think our playpen uh, and opportunities of where we get to play for our clients is getting bigger and bigger. So the opportunities are more. Uh, technology is helping it that obviously massively, but it's not the answer. I know we're going to talk about AI a little bit later on. Um, but also, I think after from pandemic, obviously, into the economic crisis that we're in, et cetera, et cetera, I think there is a fundamental human need and leaning towards hope and optimism. And um, I'm going to name drop this because it's the only clever thing I've done all year. I read an article in the Financial Times at the weekend. Oh, it took me forever, I swear to goodness. Uh, but it was amazing. And it was about the decline of the West over the past few decades. And basically, he was saying, this very clever journalist was saying around the language that we use that if we talk about uh, growth and innovation uh, and hope, uh, actually it has a way, and he looked back through history, it has a way of sort of um, becoming true in the reality of, of whether it's business and in culture. And he was talking about basically that we're just talking about risk and worry and uh, all bad things happening the whole time. So I think we need to park that, get fucking optimistic, it's going to be a good year. Charlene, do you? No, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, I suppose in... Obviously, Dan and I have been talking about this quite a bit. Sorry. I'm not used to this. Um, Dan and I were talking about this quite a bit. And yes, agree with all of that. And it, I think this year, especially, because of everything that's kind of going on in the world, and we don't need to go into that anymore, um, it's about being more comfortable being uncomfortable this year. And I think that can be a really positive drive for all of us, just creatively. Not just creatively, but just like as an attitude to this whole year, like embracing more technology, um, encouraging more hybrid ways of working, viewing punchier budgets as like a creative opportunity. So I think everything that Shaq has just said, but I think this year, I think is a bit of a, it's an open goal, I think this year for creativity. I don't think there's anything that, not to dwell on anything particularly negative about last year, but I don't think there was anything or any agencies with a bit more of a standout. And I think it was all kind of like a level playing field um, in terms of the creative output. So this year it feels like, okay, open goal. There's an opportunity to like fill that vacuum or that void of not having any, as much standout work as maybe we had hoped we would have had last year. Anyone else want to jump in there? I would just say, you know, we work primarily in the out-of-home space and dealing with the real world and what people are going through as they're going around their business. Um, I think there's huge opportunity to have conversations, which we all do in agency land, um, with consumers in the real world when we've got all of these major events happening this year with sporting events happening. We've got an Olympics in Europe. We have uh, two major elections in the West. Um, which gives us opportunity to have conversations with consumers to cheer them up when the shit hits the fan in the news. Um, we've got a credit crisis that, that affects every single person in this room and every single person on the street, but we have an opportunity to have a conversation with people 
as they're going around their everyday lives on billboards, on posters, get them to experience something. And I think that's a joy to behold and it's something that we can all get excited about. It's pretty rare, I think, for me on the 2nd of January to not be sobbing on a corner seat of the train as I head into work. <laughs> but I do feel like this year I, I was more optimistic, which for me is incredibly optimistic. Because um, I, I kind of look around at the world now and um, especially like last year and look at uh, culturally what's going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for things. I'm excited for films, music, you know, gaming, literature, and all these things are just like taking leaps and bounds. And I think if anything, we are cultural sponges as an industry and, and it's a great reflection of, of what we can then churn out. So I'm really excited for this year, um, which, you know, for me, as I said, is moderately excited. <laughs> Lindsay, I see you nodding there. Yeah, I feel like I should say something now as the only person that hasn't. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thought we were like, going to keep it quiet for this first one. Um, no, I, do you know what? I think the point around that, you know, we were, Dan and Charlene and I were chatting um, before we came in and we were talking about the films that we'd seen recently. And I know, you know, we're, we're in that season for films at the moment, but it does, it does feel extraordinary, the sort of, you know, we're very lucky at, at four because we have film four and it's, you know, we're saying it's great, we've got cinema downstairs and we get to watch, you know, poor things and zone of interest and how to have sex and all of that sort of quite early on. And I think the slates even coming out of them and when you look at A24 and all those independent um, films that are coming out, it, it feels like there is so much space to be able to tell different kinds of stories. Um, and I think you're completely right in that we should be sponges culturally. You know, I think it's the best bit about our jobs that we get to spend time watching films, going to exhibitions, reading books, and it kind of feeling like it all goes in somewhere and, 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 and is output somewhere else. I think it's still taste and uh, references are still our currency as creative leaders. And I think if you understand what you like and you will only know what you like by consuming enough stuff to know, that's why I like that and that's why I don't. Um, we are spoiled for choice at the moment with films and literature and, and, and what's there to kind of, you know, have conversations about basically. We talked, um, uh, Lindsay, um, as part of a, a roundtable that we'll be um, <coughs> writing up um, in, um, I was going to say the magazine, but no, on online. Um, and, and you mentioned entertainment, and you've mentioned quite a lot of entertainment there, um, and entertain, entertainment being like a, a trend for this year um, in, in, ad, in advertising creativity. Shall I talk about that? Yeah. Uh, I think... We, we used to use entertainment as a word when we talked about, do you remember the sort of, Richard's just talked about when everyone talked about purpose, but there was a big thing about content sort of maybe six years ago and everyone was trying to make mini series and all of that sort of thing that no one watched. Um, but it became, <laughs> became a sort of buzzy thing for a while and that's what we talked about as entertainment. Um, but I don't think we mean that. I think it's, it is using the language of film, of music, of those things within communications, within advertising that actually makes things interesting to watch. And I think um, when we can borrow stylistically 
from those kinds of um, properties, whether it's just how something is shot or it's the way something is written. You know, we talk about trends when we talk about, we talk about big umbrella things like comedy or purpose or things, but what we don't talk about is a specific type of humour or a specific way something is written. Um, and that's what, you know, when we talk about being cultural sponges, that's what we borrow from those things. And so I think actually, there's a lot more absurdist stuff coming out now and I think we we don't give the public credit I think enough for you know embracing the weird and the strange and the obscure and I think you know that entertainment should be something surprising it should be something that you feel is unfamiliar that you haven't seen before you know Shine, you just talked about being uncomfortable it's it's those things and I think seeing more of that through the work, seeing more slightly strange, I've said this stuff, I'm not saying it just because you guys are here, but you know, that the Harry spot from last year with the Satsuma, you know, it's a strange story, but it's so beautifully, it's this tiny thing and it's beautifully told. And I think when we borrow the strangeness and the surprisingness of entertainment and we put that into advertising, we can make really, really magical stuff. I think that was one of the points, like what you were just talking about in terms of like trends and stuff, there was like, I mean, there's loads of articles um, trotting about about how like this is the year for comedy's comeback. I don't actually think it went away, but if you think about last year and the way people look at it, it was like the year of purpose. And I feel I worry about some of these sort of like words and trends sort of like happening because it kind of makes it sound like, okay, this year, this is what we're all going to do. And I think it's, it's less about sort of the trends and more about kind of just doing what's right for the brands. And whether that's comedy, whether it's going into a more nuanced space rather than kind of like that surface level that we imagine comedy to be about, but just making sure that it's bespoke for those very individual brands and that we're moving them forward to be fit for the modern world. Um, yeah, it's just trends freak me out because I'm like, God, what's next year? Like, I'm like, horror. Get through this year first. Yeah, get through this year first. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I kind of see it as our job is to provide the sugar uh, for the medicine so that it can go down. And it feels like in the last few years, the medicine is the selling, by the way. Um, and it just feels like in the last few years, we kind of forgot the sugar and just tried to give the medicine. Salt, <laughs> salt yeah, yeah, salt and medicine. Um, and it, I'm, that's why I'm excited, because I feel like people are coming back to sugar and it's it's great and i want more sugar i want to be entertained and then i'm more willing to have the medicine it's the most obscure analogy i've ever heard you're I'm welcome still try thanking you i can't wait um, to see where it goes i can't top that in any shape or form um i, I agree with everything that everyone said and uh, particularly with what you're saying charlene in terms of I think as an industry, I always find it quite funny how as an industry we, we write so much stuff and talk so much about trying to, well, I don't even know what it is, like trying to categorise stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, good is good and great is great. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect with people. We're trying not to annoy them. We're trying not to sell. We're trying to hopefully turn up in some way that is helpful, whether it's from entertainment, whether it's, you know, in terms of service or in terms of help. Um, and I think concentrating on that, whether it's comedy, it's one of my favorite things that Richard said out of the 17,000 things that he said that we need to get purpose out of our asses. I never knew purpose existed in my ass, but anyway, I'm gonna try and find it and get rid of it. Um, but if it's, that was weird, edit that. Uh, 
really weird, I'm so sorry. Um, I've got no problem if something is purpose, if it's authentic and it's right, and it's right for the brand. Go to, man. In, if comedy is right, I'm more worried if people start jumping on things that are like, this needs to be funny, and you're like, why? It's co-op funeral care. That should not be funny. <laughs> Um, or whatever it is, uh, be authentic with the brand. Again, this isn't rocket science. Understand what the brand is, understand how it needs to turn up for people and what's the best way in which we can communicate that or tell stories or experiences or whatever the hell it is. Um, and then I think we'll stay golden. It's the problem is when we start trying to do it by numbers. Dan, would you like to add anything? No, I think they covered it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here nodding, going, yeah, you're all right. I'm good. <laughs> Um, you mentioned comedy, so Cannes does have a category um, this year for comedy ads. Um, is is comedy coming back? Is, did it go away? And I'll, I'll take that one first. As soon as I, um, the I think it's about or everything that we do in terms of communicating with people as we as they go about their lives or watching TV or scrolling on social is that conversation, and we always look for that value exchange, and that could be a laugh. It could be a smile. It could be something simple that makes them think something. It could be the eyebrows that make everyone knows now that's McDonald's. That it means McDonald's. It's you know it's those small nuggets of a conversation that we can have that make people just break out of the funk of, of sitting in front of a TV or in front of a screen. And I think that provided we give enough time to that value exchange, it could be comedy. It could be smart copywriting there's not enough smart copywriting out there the ba campaign last year fantastic and it's iterative and it's and it's kind of evolving but but that smart copywriting in 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 our world can do that can deliver a funny line it can deliver something that is contextual to an audience as they're as they're going around their lives and i think that's what we should be focusing on not just it's the year of comedy i agree with you it's like it's, it kind of makes me ick i think I I'm trying to think, I was like, do I backtrack here for a second? In terms of sort of like comedy, I think the way we sort of look at comedy is too binary. And I think, and I don't see a problem with sort of even combining comedy with other, like even purpose. Cause I feel like comedy can, like levity can bring so much entertainment in lots of different ways. And to Shaka's point about like, could you do comedy for cult funerals? Yeah, you probably could. It's just the, the way that you use it to, uh, bring to life a really powerful insight that really resonates with people. Like I've been to very funny wakes in my past. Um, not to say that, you know, it's, it's one way to do it, but I feel like comedy can be cut in so many different ways and used for so, to tell so many different stories. And I think we have to get out of the mindset of it being this binary thing or this, a trend that's going to happen because it can cut, it can sharpen so many different ways. And we have to sort of invite it in with, optimism and sort of like not just expect it to be one thing if that makes sense i think it's it's also the, i mean you mentioned can i'm actually excited that it's coming back as it's not coming back but it's coming as a category in can because i think what can get maligned is it is a craft and it's really really difficult uh and that's in, in any guise whether that's in a format and whether that's in advertising i think the key thing when one wants to whatever use comedy is make it really good i know it's a really obvious thing to say and i think sometimes uh comedy is subjective um it can't be researched in a certain way and if it is it can be really massively misleading so unsurprisingly it takes some chops and you've got to follow it because otherwise what will end up happening is just gonna be shitloads of dad jokes everywhere nothing wrong with dads nothing wrong with dad jokes love them both but you just gotta hate the word risk and bravery because it's advertising ultimately but uh 
we've just got to make it really good. And I think there have been periods where people have tried and it's just, everyone tries their best, but it's just been diluted. And you can see it's just been hammered to death versus if you're going to do that, and that's what the brand's absolutely fantastic, but you've got to go too. Sorry, Lindsay, I interrupted. No, no, not at all. I think, you know, Rich has just talked about real people. And I think, you know, we talk about comedy being subjective and comedy is, I think, at the heart of it, it's about specificity. And great comedy comes from observation, it comes from insight. And I think it's that thing of you have to understand your audience, you have to have uncovered something that people see themselves in. And then that's funny, back to your point of, you can't just stick a bunch of jokes on something if it's not appropriate, you know, everything comes from insight and understanding and it's, uh, it's why it makes it tough when, you know, stuff moves towards being global and pan-European and all of that, you know, that is, it can be the death of specificity when something needs to appeal so broadly. So it's hard, but when it's for the right reasons and it's done right, great. What? I'll do another salt and sugar thing. I, yeah, I've, got, I've got a better one. No, I don't. Um, I think what you were saying about it being a craft is really important and probably forgotten more with comedy. But I think, you know, the way the way that we were taught is to uh, write and rewrite and rewrite something until you... It's not even funny anymore. It's painful. <laughs> but you're getting there and you're exploring it. And I feel like, you know if people go back to that and they treat it with the same dedication that we've been treating a lot of the other sectors, then it'll, it'll, it'll be better than it ever was. Um, it's, it's just a, a learning thing and a craft thing. Okay, we haven't got loads of time left, but um, to end, um, what kind of challenges do you think creativity may face this year? Um... I think we are, well, it's not I think, we are, right? We're, we're living in very frightening times. You know, I was about to say tough times, but actually we're living in frightening times. And I think that the, it's, it's easy, I suppose, to really want to, to play it safe, I think, when times are frightening. And I think, you know, again, Richard's just said something around, you cannot be certain all of the time. You cannot, you have to take a punt on things. And I think, as as people, as the public, as an industry, as people become or lose trust in the powers that be, those institutional brands become really important. The BT, I know it's EE now, those things, British Airways, your national carriers, those huge pillars of, uh, you know, of kind of brands become more and more important. And I think it would be amazing to see those brands do work that is big, that is noisy, that is that has some hope to it, that isn't always cloying and safe and almost reassuring. It's kind of, this country needs a bit of swagger and I think if we can do that in our work, if our, the biggest brands in this country can show the public that there's something out there that is to be hopeful about and to be optimistic about, it's gonna take some edge, but I think it's, that's, that's the danger. The danger is that we don't push for the edge this year. And I think, I think we have to, I think we have a responsibility too. Um, Thanks, Rich. <laughs> I think probably the biggest 
thing that springs to mind is is budgets and and the pulling back of that but uh we've always seen that as um as as exciting really because like it it forces you to be more resourceful and be cleverer with things so i think we have to flip that um uh, possible block and what might hold us back into something that people should be excited for um and i'll refer you to probably the best example i've seen recently of the edible mascot for pop tarts uh where <laughs> a man dressed as a pop tart was lowered into a toaster on a, a football field and then they proceeded to eat him as he came out the other end uh which weirdly blew up the internet cost nothing very just obviously captured something and i think it shows just what you can do with basically nothing don't look at me because i don't know how to follow that um agree agree with everything that the gang have said and funnily enough i think to what lynn's was saying uh, and about hope and optimism hope and optimism we're talking about it in terms of audiences and customers i think it needs to start with us uh, and I think we just, it's a challenge every year. It's, it's a challenge to get great work out. It's a challenge for it to land. It's like any creative endeavor, whether you're recording music, whether you're making a film, whether you're creating advertising, whatever it is, there's always a chance that it's not gonna land. There's always a chance that it's gonna land. You gotta go with that. But I think it starts with us. And I think we, you know, we are an incredibly lucky industry. It's, I think this is gonna be an incredible year. I think we've got to be optimistic ourselves and we've got, it's never gonna ring true unless it comes from us. Dan, Charlene, would you like to add anything? Uh, I think it's super. I think we've been through all of this before in terms of there's always fear. There's technology changes. We've had the blockchain years. We've had NFTs, which mentioned earlier on. We've had AI, big chats about AI last year, and Mark is going to do some AI stuff in a minute. Um, but all of those things are are fuel to our creative fires, and I think there's those things have become tools for us to 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 do what we do. Um, and to produce the work that we produce. I think those, all those things sitting in a toolbox are great. They're not threats. They're, I, don't, I don't see those things as threats. And I think they're opportunities and we can pull them out and make great work. I actually don't want to focus on the challenges. I think I'll start crying. But with the amount that's probably with to face this year. So I think, I think we're in the best position because we're basically problem solvers. That's our job. We solve problems and whether it's a brief or a financial situation or whatever that is our job to solve them we can solve them really creatively and i can't think of a better industry to be working in right now where we basically our job is to creatively solve hard problems and i'm i'm pumped pumped for it i think that's a nice way to end it thank you so much everyone If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Powell and to producer Till Owen. And also to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.